0: Welcome to the Coaching by Bell podcast, the podcast where each episode we feature women entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders in business. The podcast showcases a variety of interviews, coaching style conversations, and live coaching sessions. I am your host, Isabel Hertz. I am a business coach integrating past and present, bridging old stories with new intentions. I help people hear between the lines of their story, tap into insights, inner wisdom, and opportunities to hear their own voice as a means for change. Let's get listening. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me, Isabel. Super excited.
0: Me too. So just to start, let's begin with what your inspiration was for starting your business.
1: I got inspired on a trip to Southeast Asia and it's super corny and yeah, like I went backpacking for three and a half months, basically going through an existential crisis. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was working three jobs before that and kind of just was fed up with working the nine to five life. And I guess, yeah, meeting other entrepreneurs inspired me to launch my own business.
0: What was the inspiration for your company name and for the product itself? How did that come to fruition?
1: So I competed in bodybuilding back in 2018. And prior to that, for I think two or three years, I would recreate my favorite treats. Like I had this big love for baking and making healthier versions of my favorite treats that were full of sugar. Cause I have a huge sweet tooth. And when I was prepping for these shows, I had to break up with a lot of things that I loved one being cookie dough. And yeah, like I couldn't find it in the market. I couldn't find one that was lower in sugar, higher in protein, had a better like nutritional profile. So I created it for myself and I remember like sharing different recipes and stuff on my Instagram page And uh, I never thought of making a business out of it, like creating my own product um, until I went backpacking. And then everything just kind of clicked when I started meeting all these entrepreneurs who were basically pursuing their passions. And then I kind of thought back to what I'm passionate about and baking and creating healthier versions of things is something that I love to do. So um, when I got back from that trip, I thought, okay, like, what do I love? What is the market missing? And how can I monetize my passion? And that's kind of how that came about. And then Brodo is basically it's protein cookie dough. So Bro is kind of like a gym term that we would use and like throw around, like you even lift Bro, and because it has that like added protein, like functional element to it. That's kind of where that came from.
0: Yeah. Cool, I've heard that term before. so it makes makes more sense now that you're explaining it in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you started your company at the you know very beginning, so you come back from backpacking you, things just click for you and you realize, okay, I'm gonna make a business out of this. What was the first ever challenge that you remember having in starting the business or one of the first ever?
1: I didn't know what to do because I had this idea for this product, right? And I kind of had the recipe and then that's great and all, but like you have to have the structure and the foundation for a business, right? You need to know and understand cash flow, and you need to understand where you're ordering your inventory from and all of these things. And I had no idea how to do any of that. So I remember I sat down, I went on Google and I typed in like the exact words, business workshop near me. And then I clicked like the first link and there was a business resource center. Or like a 30 minute drive from where I live. So I went to like the one the next day. And then I just remember sitting in these workshops and learning how to do different things. Like one day we learned how to write a business plan. The next day we did managing your finances, like all these different elements of building a business. Cause that's something that I just did not know how to do at all.
0: <laughs> and how was that process for you in terms of helping you to grow where you've grown to today?
1: It was really good, and I'm really glad that I did it. I still have the same template for the business plan, and I've just basically adjusted it as I've progressed over the past two years. It's been honestly like really good for me to understand all of that from the beginning, because especially money, like your money and your cash flow is so important. And if you don't understand it from the beginning, like your business, relies on that right especially with like cpg having like a physical product because your money going in and out every month like you need to understand it i'm really grateful that i have those workshops and they were free too i didn't even have to pay for them which is really nice too
0: yeah it's amazing that there's some support in canada for small businesses you know in, in various areas to grow people's companies or to learn a little bit more like what you're talking about i've been surprised at how many people i've talked to on and off this podcast who have said I just had no idea. I didn't know a thing. And I just went and took this course to help me grow, which is also inspiring because you don't have to be a traditional quote unquote, business looks like this woman to make it work or to make it happen.
1: Yeah. It's so
0: true. So along the journey so far, what is something that surprised you the most?
1: A lot has surprised me like every day there's something, I think like the community, cause it took me eight or nine months to like, start networking because I didn't really understand the importance of networking. And even like LinkedIn, that was a tool that I just never thought would benefit me. And then I went on there and I basically found mentors and friends and have just grown this like circle around me of people who are so experienced and so knowledgeable. And I can send them a message or call them if I'm going through something and just having that support group and like system in place has helped me tenfold especially as a solopreneur like I don't have a co-founder or a team or anyone to kind of lean on so I guess that's like surprised me in like the best way is just how supportive and giving this community is it's kind of just a cycle right like I remember me going to people and asking for help and now people are coming to me and I'm just kind of paying it forward because other people have done the same thing for me which is pretty cool
0: Very cool. Is there any engagement that stands out to you or any conversation that stands out to you that you had with someone along the way that, you know, just totally impacted
1: where you are today? Little conversations with people, even like, Big founders. Like, I remember when I first started messaging people who had built multi million dollar companies and had like nine figure exits. And it's very scary because I'm very new to the industry and I'm very small and my business is very small and young. And I remember messaging them and being so intimidated. And then I got to know them, got to learn more about them as a person. And they're just, you know, they're just going with it. And they felt the same way. And I think something that stuck out to me that a lot of These people have in common is like, just go for it. A lot of people don't know everything. And that's the thing used to be such a planner. And I would worry so much if I didn't fully understand something or if I was going into something unsure, but with entrepreneurship, you just go in and on the outside, it might look like someone has everything together and they know all the moves that they're making and everything's like perfectly calculated, but that's not the case at all. And like the more conversations I started having, I'm like, wow, a lot of these people are kind of just like BSing it or going with the flow and I think learning that and understanding that has helped me a lot with my business too. And it's kind of removed a bit of anxiety from it.
0: It's allowed you to see that people are just human and that everyone is is sort of in experimentation mode in many ways. There's a vision, you know, you have a vision of what you want to create and, and why you're doing it, but the steps to get there, there's no box to make it happen. Absolutely. When you're talking about what you just shared, two things were standing out to me. One was that you were really facing your fears as you're walking through the process of growing your business. And I I wonder what you've done to tackle your fears along the way, what's helped you. The other piece of this is that you talked about finding the courage. And I wonder how you found that courage. Where did you get that drive to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have the courage today to to contact someone on LinkedIn or make a new connection, right? Really? How did you push through your fears Is the overall theme here?
1: I think I just got sick of like sitting in the background for so long. Cause like my whole life I've been very introverted. I still am to this day. Like I've, I guess, become more of an extrovert, more of a people person, but I still like my alone time and me time. But yeah, for so long, I was so scared of what people would think of me. even like growing up in high school, like I would eat lunch by myself or like go home early or present to the teacher one-on-one instead of in front of the class. And I was staying in this little like safe bubble and I wasn't really growing. And these habits kind of came with me as I aged, like into my adulthood. And I don't know. I just kind of felt stuck and I didn't want to be here anymore. Like I wanted to grow and expand and meet new people. And I also kind of looked around my circle and there weren't people there that I really wanted to be there. Kind of like that quote, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I like wanted to grow and learn and evolve. And in order to do that, I had to do the scary thing. I had to message people and I had to work up the courage to network with people or do things that made me uncomfortable. Even like Posting on social media more regularly and engaging with people more regularly and putting my face out there. Like, that's something that it still is sort of uncomfortable for me, but it's definitely gotten a lot better. But I think the more I did it and then I started to see the payoff, it kind of incentivized me to continue doing it. It's almost like a drug in a way, because you're like, okay, this is scary, but it's an adrenaline rush in a way. And then you're kind of chasing it. I don't know. I might be weird like that, but it's just, it's cool to see what can come of doing the thing that you don't want to do or that makes you uncomfortable, right?
0: Yeah. Well, that is the journey, right? Is that you realize, oh my goodness, I can do this. I can do it again. And it's still a little scary every time. And I hear you saying that it doesn't take it away completely because you're going after something you want, then you get that sort of rush of excitement to see that it's coming to fruition or that something is moving, that there's pieces moving along in one way or another.
1: Yeah. You can like look back and be like, holy shit, I did that. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah. Let's come to present day. Now you're how many years into growing your company? In a few weeks, it'll be
1: two years.
0: Okay. And what stands out to you today after two years, this journey that you've had, what is a a prominent piece of your business now that you is right in front of your eyes?
1: There's just been such a big learning curve. And I feel like, yeah, my business has grown, but I feel like me, like I've grown so much and I've learned so much about me in the process of building this thing. And yeah, I love my product. I love cookie dough and I love what I've created, but I think my life now is just like the people that I have around me. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And just like the vision too. Like I've worked so hard this past year. I've kind of just been planning things from going, making the product myself to now with a manufacturer and kind of handing over everything so I can actually work on growing the business. That's been the most exciting thing to watch happen. Like even though it's taken so long, it was supposed to take a few months and it ended up taking a year, but it's been cool to see the growth in terms of my business and then myself as a person as well.
0: Well, you have your growth, your personal growth, your business growth, and you have it in the context of COVID because we've basically been in this pandemic for the the two years that you've been growing <laughs> your business. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What has that been like for you to have that overlay along with your own personal struggles and the challenges of growing
1: a business? It's weird for me because I've never had an in-person meeting really ever because I launched literally, I think, December of 2019. So a few months before all of this happened. Right. And I had all these expos and trade shows planned and all of that kind of got canned. I wanted to do in-store demos. Couldn't do any of that. So... It was difficult to grow my business in that sense. But at the same time for like my Shopify, like e-com sales, those were popping off when the pandemic like first struck everyone's at home sitting on their couch, scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on Facebook. And I remember running ads and so that was doing really well, but I mean... Also too, it was really hard. I remember at the beginning, because I really like exercising. Like I like going out and doing things and with the lockdown and when the gyms closed, that affected me negatively and my mental health. And again, as a solopreneur, like I didn't have a community around me. So that like really was a challenge with me and my business, but I ended up getting through it (laughs) and we're here and everything's okay. But COVID was a challenge for sure.
0: Sounds to me like your experience was that everything that you plan to create initially couldn't come to fruition at least at that time and so you navigated that uncertainty probably personally as well as professionally in growing your business and what actually came out of it cuz you said one of the thing you were most surprised about was your community and so it sounds like what you actually got was something even richer than what you initially sort of put down on your your plans to create and that is such an important lesson to creating a business because we're always pivoting and especially when we're doing it on our own, there's me, myself, and I sometimes, right? That phrase, that saying. So you really have taken that, but then created that larger community to help you along so that it's, you know, you're not doing it alone. It's an incredible gift in a lot of ways to get out of it.
1: It was a blessing in disguise. I think it kind of forced me to network and meet people because I remember just being so alone and being at home and, with my freezer in my living room and me picking and packing and kind of doing everything on my own. And it kind of forced me to to meet people and really start building that community. So yeah, I think you're right. It was a yeah. thing. Yeah.
0: No trade show, but a large LinkedIn community that you can continue to have available to you, it sounds like. So very exciting. If you had a word of wisdom or a word of advice for someone who wants to do something or is just starting something and is maybe really afraid to take those next steps, what would you say to them?
1: just go for it. I look at the bigger picture and I mean, it's so cheesy, but yeah, I look at the bigger picture and I'm like, it could work or it couldn't work. If it doesn't work, what's the worst that could happen, right? For me, like I remember sitting down in my mom's living room with my note open on my phone and I was just like brainstorming all the things that I love. I'm like, what are the things that I love? And then I kind of looked at them and I said, okay, like how can I monetize this? And then how can I add value? Cause that's what you want to do, right? You want to sell something, but you also want to fix a problem for someone. And that's, the way to have a successful business. So pick one of those things, whatever it is, whether it be a product or service and give it a try, stick with it for a little bit and get your family and friends to try it and see if there's Anything there, and if people will pay for it, and then continue to roll with it. And I think a lot of people get discouraged at the beginning. And I think it took me six months to really gain any traction. But again, I'm a solopreneur. I did really have a ton of money to really get it going. Like I stored my product in my car at the beginning. Like I was very, very bootstrapped. Like stick with it. Don't get discouraged. My first month, I sold 18 jars, I think, and a lot of them were from my family and friends. So it doesn't really count. But <laughs>
0: Oh, it totally counts. I mean, <laughs> they're the people who help you help you lay the foundation, right? And Absolutely. so, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it it counts a hundred percent. It's just a, a a market that you wanted to expand beyond, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I wanted to have that first person who bought the product because they wanted the product and they didn't know me. <laughs> right. That was exciting when that came through. I was like, okay, this is it. This is scary, scary moment, but exciting.
0: Yeah. And congratulations and congratulations on getting. The manufacturing process off your plate, too. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's come to today. What is a challenge
1: ahead of you in present day? So the biggest one is probably scaling, like hiring. Not every entrepreneur is a CEO, and like that's something that is commonly said and I totally get it. It makes sense. I'm very creative. I like creating things. I'm learning to become a leader and how to hire and how to manage people, but it's not a skill that I'm naturally good at. So that's something that I'm struggling with as I kind of look and fill in different gaps in my business and as I scale it. So, and again, like you can't grow a business on your own. Yeah. I'm sure I would screw on my jar lid the best and I would make the best comments on my Instagram and do all these things, but there's only so much time in a day and I have to focus on other areas of the business. So I have to hire to fill in those roles. And that's something that is challenging for me, but I'll I'll learn and I'll adapt and then I'll move on to another challenge. (laughs) When you talk
0: about that, the first thing that comes to my mind is do you want to grow in that area? Do you want to be the leader? Do you want to be training people, hiring people
1: managing people. Is that even something that interests you? It's kind of like dipping my toe in the water. I don't really know cuz I've never done it before. So, I think I've started to realize like as a business owner, you have to look at what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And I know that I'm really good at like marketing and storytelling and innovation and like that side of the business. My weaker side is kind of like the operations and the finances and like all of that. So, I'm slowly starting to like bring on people to plug in those pieces. And then I guess as I start to grow, then I'll actually be having employees and I'm probably going to hire my first employee in the new year, which will be super exciting. But I guess I'll just, again, it's like one of those things I'll probably take it one day at a time and see how it goes. And I won't be CEO forever, but for now I'm kind of just rolling with it. And I think it's something that will be good for me to learn. And again, like if I do it and I don't like it, then it's not something that I have to do for the rest of my life being in the business. So
0: if you have an openness and interest in learning those skills, then is the challenge more about how to develop those skills or is the challenge more about, should I be doing these skills for very long?
1: I think like the thing that I have difficulty doing is like trying to figure out who my first hire should be, what I should contract out and who I should hire, like within the company. And again, because I'm a startup, like my first hire is probably going to be someone who has to wear many hats. (laughs) which is going to be a little challenging to find someone who can do that. So it'll probably be like a student or something, but I mean, it's just something new that I've never done before. And I just think back to when like I went to my nine to five and I was given tasks every day and like the way that it was set up and stuff it's weird for me to think about being on the other side of things and have someone report to me. So kind of just understanding the dynamics of that type of relationship. And I think it's something that like the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I think I'll get more comfortable with it. I envision in the future, maybe in like a year or two years, I'll have a bigger team of people around me who are like-minded and passionate. And rather than it being like a hierarchy and me being at the top, I kind of want it to be like everyone on the side. We all work together together family, friends, you know, like that kind of dynamics because I think company culture is so important and that's something that I'm like really trying to work towards. So it's exciting. It's kind of like the first step towards that.
0: Underlying that, I hear maybe that you're putting some pressure on yourself that you kind of need to get it right. That's kind of what I'm I'm hearing. Like I need to get it right because if I don't get it right, then the whole foundation of what I'm trying to build might
1: not work. Does that kind of feel true to you? Again, as much as I try to let go of it, I am a perfectionist and I really like things to be right the first time, especially even now I'm preparing for my launch with like my new product and the manufacturer and my new website and everything. But again, I've talked to so many different people and it's kind of like, well, what you start with is not what you end with. Things evolve, right? Everything changes. And it's okay to not have it right the first time around. And a lot of people don't get it right the first time around. Even with businesses, a lot of successful entrepreneurs, their ninth business succeeded. The eight before that flop. Nothing is going to be perfect the first time around.
0: Well, so rather than flipping it around so quickly. Here's my thought and what you're talking about. Rather than flipping it around so quickly and saying, like, I know there's a silver lining and I know that we don't have to get it right. And I know you do know these things. In your mind, you're aware of the fact that there's a process, things change. You've already been there. Your past experience already dictates that. We just talked about that. You had these intentions to go to these trade shows and none of that happened when you expected it to, but instead you got this beautiful online community that's been instrumental in your growth. So rather than telling yourself, you already know that that's going to happen. What if you leaned into listening to your perfectionist voice a little bit more and allowing that voice to feel heard? And then from there, Allow yourself to move into the the knowing, the things that you know will happen, like taking the ride and taking the process and enjoying it all. I suspect if you listen to that part of yourself, since it is so strong and allow her to come into the room, so to speak, then she could actually
1: really inform your process in a really wise way. I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. I think because I've suppressed it for so long. <laughs> Also, too, I think it's hard because for me anyways, like especially growing up, if I had things laid out a certain way and they didn't go that way, I would get so upset. I would get so upset and I would beat up myself and it'd be super discouraging for me. So I kind of have learned to like let go of that. But I think what you said makes sense and it could definitely work. And I think it's like a skill that's kind of good in a way. Like it has its time and place. You can't obviously be like that all the time, but I definitely could bring it in and use it when I need it. And I think it could benefit me in the business. When you
0: say that, how could you see it benefiting you? Like what's an example that comes to mind that you're going through
1: right now? The most important thing of a business is the numbers 100%. And that's something that you can't really go willy nilly on. Like you need to 100% fully have it down pat. And luckily again, like I've reached out to my community and I have really awesome people around me who are basically sitting down with me and they're helping me figure that out. Cause that's something that I got C's in math growing up. I'm not a math person. I did really good in English, really good in art, really terrible in math. And I've accepted it and I like it. I enjoy math. I'm just not good at it in a way. Like I want everything, I guess the foundation, because right now it's such a crucial part of my business, basically building the bottom of the house right now. And if it's not built right, then the whole house is going to go crumbling down. So it needs to be sustainable. So that's kind of what I'm doing now, I guess, in a way tying in that perfectionism piece to the financial side of the business and making sure that everything is rock solid before I hit the ground running versus going with the flow and like guessing things and plugging things in and then going out in the world and launching this product and then realizing, Oh shoot, this actually isn't right. And kind of like pulling back and trying to undo everything that I did. So I guess in a way it is, I am doing that right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I hear that you already sort of started, you started to do that. And that's a perfect example of how you can think about it. So we have all these different parts of ourselves, right? And there's all these different voices and a lot of them can be very, have that perfectionist mindset. A lot of the voices can be really harsh. We get to be our worst critic, our own worst critic. They can come through and rather than sort of pushing it away, see where the strengths are, which is kind of what you've started to do. See where the strength is in that perfectionist voice, for example, and say, okay, how can you help me? How can you help me grow what's really important to me so that I can help more people or give more people the product that I have? And so that is a a great, way to demonstrate it? You know, there's probably, and
1: maybe you can share if you want to, but what does your perfectionist voice say to you? It used to be really negative. (laughs) It's like, this needs to be right the first time or you're going to fail or like that. But on the flip side, another example would be quality of my business, like the customer experience, that's something that I always have to have a hundred percent. And I always have to go above and beyond despite how I'm feeling or what's happening on that day or whatever, like the customers are my number one priority. So I think in a way, like when I'm packing orders and I write a handwritten note with the person's name and things like that, it's always consistent and always the same. And that's something that's really important to me. And it's kind of like, this needs to be perfect. And if it isn't, then that looks bad on you. That looks bad on your business. You actually really care about your customers and seeing the positive responses that I get from people when I prioritize them. And like I go above and beyond to even like email back my customers or reply back to their comments and stuff. That's something that's so important to me. And I always make a priority, something that I really care about. And without them, I wouldn't have a business. So
0: yeah, you've sort of, started the process in a way of what it is that I'm talking to you about today, this is something just to consider here. The negative, as you call it, is actually really, really important. But I hear that you have a a bit of a pattern of sort of pushing the negative to the side and trying to make a positive of it, which actually makes that voice louder. And I know it's probably counterintuitive because that's not usually how we talk about the quote unquote negative. But if you listen to what that negative part of you, as you're calling it, says, and think of it more as a suggestion, there's actually really rich information. So I heard, I want to get it right. So in that, the possibility of, I want to do a good job. It's important to me to do a good job and to show someone the best quality product you also said, I really care about the customers and sort of in a, if I don't write the note perfectly, then I don't care anymore. But actually what you could take from that is how much you genuinely care and, and love the people around you who are supporting what you're doing. So if you just sort of take that quick moment when you're in that experience and it's such a subtle Little pause and move a little slower and say, what is it that is really important here? Just like I did with those two sentences that you said, rather than putting them in the negative box, say, what is it that's important here? You can then use that to understand what kind of actions you want to take what kind of process you want to take moving forward. Just like you write handwritten notes. Subconsciously, you did that because you had this negative voice, as you call it. It's telling you that you can't get it wrong for the customers. But really, you can only get it right. You have to get it right is really what is underneath that. And it's so important to you. Let's take it one step further to get it right. That's really powerful as a way to guide the actions that you have tied to all the realistic pieces of running your business, like the financials and the structure and your goals and all of the things that you have laid out. How does that land for you?
1: Oh yeah. It totally makes sense to me, especially too. Cause yeah, I did a lot of work with therapy and kind of like rewiring the way that my brain operates and just kind of being more mindful of like the thoughts that go through my head. And I think just that's something that I, I know that I do. Immediately, if I have a negative thought, I try to cancel it out with a positive one. And like you said, it kind of just makes it stronger, like the negative thought stronger, which is what I noticed. That makes a lot of sense. And I think because sometimes I'm just so caught up in my own thoughts, I don't take the time to like slow down and stop and think and be like, Hey, like, no, like, that's (laughs) you know, like kind of rethink the way that I think things, that's super interesting that you said that. And it kind of, yeah, brings me back to like other conversations that I've had with my previous therapist about different things that I would say, even with negative self-talk and stuff like that, it can change everything. If you're just like more consciously aware of the thoughts that are running through your head. And if you can kind of like take a hold of them, it makes such a difference. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you have to be positive all the time. It's just allowing the part of yourself, That is maybe not as positive to also sort of sit at the table, so to speak, you know, you're around your dining room table or around a couch and it's like, hi, everyone, welcome here. (laughs) Let's have a conversation. (laughs) Well, so if we take this back to the challenge that you said with hiring someone, what is the negative part of you saying in terms of this new hire that you're trying to bring into the company?
1: I guess the scariest thing for me is having someone rely on me for income. So that's the thing. Um, and I hear it from, it's not just startup companies, but big CEOs who have hundreds of people working for them. It's still kind of scary for them that they have hundreds of families are responsible for, for their income, for their, the roof over their head, for the food that feeds our family. So that's something that's kind of scary. So it's scary for me. So it's kind of like just one person that I'm hiring, but eventually like it'll be two and then five and then 10 and the team will be growing. And again, this kind of ties back to other issues that I've had in the past when I first launched my business, like imposter syndrome. It's kind of like, oh, like I'm not qualified for this. I'm like, oh, like people are relying on me to pay them their income and I'm having people work for me. And I think that was probably, or still is, like one of the biggest hurdles for me to get over just as I take this next step. And with imposter syndrome, the voice has gotten quieter, but it's still there in my head. Like, I don't think it'll ever go away. And I think it's something that's just there and you just learn how to deal with it better as you progress.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're very linked to one another, what you're talking about. The imposter syndrome voice, as I hear it coming up in hiring this person, because There's a little part of that imposter syndrome voice seemed to come out of, you know, well, what are you offering to this person? And then the second part of it was the fear, then attaching itself to imposter syndrome and saying, well, and, you know, they're relying on you. Can you really have them rely on you? That sort of tone, right, was what was coming out. So, which one feels stronger in the case of hiring? someone to your company just as a place to start with it?
1: I think the imposter syndrome is definitely more prominent. Again, that's something that I've struggled with for like a long time. And I had this big idea in my head that I'm only where I am because of luck, the typical little things that it like whispers at you. But again, it's gotten a lot better over the past two years. Like I've made a lot of effort to try to deal with it and address it earlier on because It is something that you need to like become aware of and I guess acknowledge that it's there and do the work to kind of deal with it rather than just suppressing it, which is what I kind of did at first and it doesn't work. (laughs) It's like one of those things, if you like, you try to quiet it more then it kind of gets louder and then it just instills more fear in you and then you get more anxious and it's a little beast.
0: (laughs) You're doing the partial piece of talking to the imposter syndrome to help understand what it really wants. You're talking to it, but then it sounds like that extra piece of going and saying, well, what is it that you want here? What is it that you need? And so I would suggest even just trying that. For the next, you know, week or two, just consistently asking. Anytime you notice that your imposter syndrome's coming back in, in the in the context of hiring someone into your company specifically, keep it really, really simple and like a small example and experiment to play with. And then, anytime you're in the process of hiring, creating the job description, thinking about hiring, thinking about lead, your leadership, what you have to offer, and you get. little voice of like, well, what do you have to offer? Or or, you just got this because of luck or any of those other comments, take that moment in what we're talking about and acknowledge that it's there and ask it what is most important here. And then see if that changes the relationship a little bit more, even one step further with your imposter syndrome and see if it helps in relationship to this context specifically. That's why I'm saying try it with sort of a smaller example because then you can really measure it more, see the impact in your own psyche.
1: Yeah, that's a really good idea. The other thing that I found like super helpful is if I do have those comments or thoughts, I guess, like you got here because of luck or you don't deserve to be here or whatever. Like I kind of write down things that kind of contradict that thought or like this is what I did to get here. or This is why I'm not lucky. And then you kind of like write it all out and you look at it and you're like, okay, I'm good. Like, why was I thinking that? <laughs> it's just nice to like catch yourself in that moment rather than just having the thoughts like keep going and playing over and over in your head. And then you can kind of lay it all out and see it visually. And then your brain can be like, okay, we're okay. This is, you're doing fine. Don't listen to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to take that one step further too and say, pick a time frame, maybe the next couple of weeks again, or maybe just pick a week. And every day intentionally, before you have any imposter syndrome thoughts, write down something that you know you can offer to someone who you're bringing into your company and see what that's like for you. So before you're having the thoughts, you might have a thought, let's say it's a Tuesday morning, you decide you're going to do this and you already have one of those thoughts in your head. That's totally okay. But preemptively, For a certain amount of time, I'd suggest about a couple of weeks, just write something really quick every morning in that process you already have. Include something. What can I offer a new hire? How can I support a new hire? What's something that I think I can give to this new hire? It might be something even really small, could be some really tiny thing, but all those tiny things add up to really big things as a leader. It is those small moments or gestures or suggestions that you'll start to see them. In yourself and be able to see how you can support this new person coming in.
1: That's a really good idea. And that's something that I kind of do that with like sticky notes and I leave them around my condo. So, like, I think that could be something that I could do with that just write them on a sticky note and kind of have them there. Just as reminders, like just to see like on a mirror in my bathroom or whatever. Like, I think it's important to have those around just as kind of, you know, little pick me up notes that you can read when you need them.
0: Absolutely. And if that works for you, rather than writing it in a journal, put it on a sticky note. So it's right in front of your face. And then over two weeks, you'll have 14 sticky notes of ways that you can help someone in hiring them into your business, ways that you can help them, help them grow their career, things that you can give back to them. And seeing that I suspect would help with the process of even hiring someone, of even going through those interviews, because then you can see the difference that you can make in their life too. Do you feel a little less sticky with your challenge?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do feel better. This is probably like the scariest step for my business because I've worked alone for the past few years, doing everything from making it to picking and packing and marketing. And so now that I'm taking on these new roles, offloading certain things onto other people, it is very difficult. But again, you mentioned so many different things that I can do to kind of make the transition a lot smoother, but it is pretty wild to me. Like these are things that I never thought that I'd really struggle with. And again, like it's just a big learning curve and I'm just trying to enjoy the journey and enjoy the scary parts and the not so scary parts. Cause I think that's important too.
0: And in trying to do that, it seems to me like you have an opportunity because you said that you are a storyteller and that you like to share stories. And I've observed that about you too. And it seems like in that, you have an opportunity to do that with this person who you bring into the company. I mean, you don't need to be the leader who looks like they have all their shit together. You don't have to be the leader who shows that they know everything that they're doing. In fact, as part of your story, be the opposite. You know, you could say, This is my first time managing someone, and I'm not exactly sure if I'm giving you the tools that you need. And so, just modeling that vulnerability to the person who you bring in in your storytelling is something that I I see you have an opportunity to do because you only have one first time at everything. And just owning that is an exciting part of the journey within itself. So, that could be a really cool place for you to kind of play a little bit.
1: I always want to be transparent with everyone that I talk to, whether it be like, gosh, I don't know. Like I just, I'm starting to work with someone for email marketing and different people. And I'm like, hey, I've never done this before. I don't really know what I'm doing. Even with my mentors, there's no such thing as a dumb question. It's better to ask than to pretend you know, and then it could bite you in the ass down the road, right? If you don't do something right, or it's, it's just better to ask. So yeah, I think transparency always wins. And that's definitely something that I'm going to be doing when I do bring people onto my team because I am who I am. And like, I'm not shy about being open with the stage of my business and where I'm at. And I went from working in a bakery to working at a gym to working in research at a university. Like I've never really ventured into the business world until these past two years. So...
0: And you're already starting to do it. And so just continuing to show people... Who you are when you bring someone in and and sharing with them, it's a lot of pressure that you're relying on me, but we're gonna figure it out together, or you know whatever it is in your own words, right? because it it sounds like that's really been helpful in your process to just be authentically who you are. Well, it seems like you have so much already inside of you in the court of bringing you forward to what you really want to do. So it's exciting, and I hope that this conversation was helpful to guide some of that for you as you continue to move forward
1: absolutely I wasn't expecting to like take dives into different areas like this so yeah it was kind of like a mini therapy session for me too which is really <laughs> nice <laughs> so I appreciate that
0: <laughs> it's my pleasure and thank you so much for being here I really appreciate it it was a lot of fun to hear more about your story and and get to meet you officially
1: yeah thanks so much Isabel.
0: We appreciate you tuning into the Coaching by Bell podcast, created and hosted by Isabel Hertz Coaching. This podcast is made possible by the support of our listeners, community, and guests. To learn more about how to donate or to contact us about guest suggestions or anything else, head over to www.isabelhertz.com. That is I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-T-Z dot com. Every story shared has the possibility to unlock greater potential. Coaching by Bell does this one story at a time. Thanks for listening.